0: I woke up today and tuned in to uh, Scholz walking back core tenets of Germany's-
1: Dear Kanzler.
0: Yes, sorry. <laughs> Dear, Dear Kanzler, Kanzler. Schultz, yes. Walking back a ton of Germany's foreign policy in this in this barn burner speech. I say that, of course. By is the,
1: standards is always <laughs> yeah, a, yeah.
0: He is the most soft-spoken uh, man. It was quite the rousing speech, like there were, he was interrupted constantly by applause, it seemed every other sentence.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were um, loving it.
0: He had some standing ovations, I mean, is everything different now, is my question.
1: Well, it seems like it, at least on paper, um, just so everyone knows what we're, we're talking about, um, there were Schultz this morning, this is Sunday morning the 27th, gave a speech to the Bundestag. Um, So, you know, if you're getting Germans to work on a Sunday, it's a big deal. Right. So they were they were all there. And Schultz gave a huge speech about foreign policy. And he really reversed a lot of the longstanding core tenets of German foreign policy that we've talked about on the last two episodes on the main feed. So. I mean, I guess almost go listen to those if you haven't already. Almost as a, a like a time capsule because even just prepping for this and reading about news events that happened about five days ago, it felt like a totally different era. Um, so yeah, I think we have what's the term in German, Schleudertrauma, whiplash. So that that's what we all mm-hmm. have here, trying to pay attention to this. And just to jog your memory about this, yeah, this sort of a ancient history when we spoke to James <laughs> and and Hans. Um, You'll recall uh, discussing, especially with James, Germany was seen as the weak link in the Western coalition. They were refusing to send weapons to Ukraine. They were lukewarm on um, intense sanctions, especially hesitant about maybe canceling Nord Stream 2 and were more focused on negotiations with Russia than other Western powers. And so when the invasion happened, actually, which, you know, I should say very few people, including us, were expecting to be a full-fledged invasion. Um, It seems like a lot of people in in Russia and even, like, a lot of uh, foreign policy establishment didn't uh, didn't see that. But I guess, do we have to hand it to the CIA on this one? I don't know. (laughs) I, I hate to say it. Damn. Damn. Well... Ooh, Anna <laughs> I think they're still on a losing streak on the intelligence front Uh oh, God. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, no, very few people expected this to be a full fledged invasion um, with Putin actually seeking to invade huge swaths of the country and take Kiev, you know, not just sort of recognize these breakaway quote republics in the east. So the situation after this full scale invasion changed extremely rapidly um, and very surprisingly so from the German perspective, they changed their policy stance very, very quickly.
0: That's right. No one thought he was going to do it, but Schultz finally canceled the Nord Stream two pipeline on Tuesday after Putin recognized these breakaway republics.
1: Yeah, I guess technically that was before the invasion, right? But it was still when it was like all heating up, and it looked like Russian troops would be moving in. So it's like Germany, as soon right, as they were, just, it just yeah. seemed
0: like they weren't putting it on the table. Yeah, it really, yeah. he it had really like, felt he had like, like they refused were... to
1: say the say the words. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like saving it for <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and then they they did do it so they did cancel the the big gas pipeline from russia
0: yeah um i'm sure schrody yeah is, gerhard schroder is somewhere. just
1: he's just in, <laughs> uh, torn he's in up about it yeah
0: right that's right so that was before the invasion now after the invasion they agreed germany has agreed to very stringent sanctions along with the eu and the u.s we are actually going to do an entire episode on the specifics of this very soon with a previous guest, Dominic Loisder. So look forward to that if you're a sanctions geek.
1: Or even not. Like, everyone's (laughs) now talking about this stuff, and I think it's like we wanted, we were doing an episode about this because I think it's important to know, like, you know, what do these details actually mean? You've seen, like, petitions and stuff for, like, uh, you know, remove Russian banks from SWIFT, and it's weird to see, like, this like quite technical banking stuff now. Like people posting Instagram stories about, like, oh yeah, about it's, like it's about, under, about like financial the sanctions. Lexicon. Yeah, yeah. So it's, just, I think it's definitely worth explaining about.
0: Yeah, all of a sudden you need to like see what what they're exempting and.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. I sort of sort of accidentally tuned into it. Like Same, I was yeah. watching like Al Jazeera to see what was going on with the war, and there was a dubbed Schultz speech, and I was like, oh, this is live. And then I switched to like the German news because the the dubbing of it was very clunky, and then listened to him, and and yeah, it was just like I mean everyone was hailing it on tw- on Twitter, like all these you know there's been articles written already, like uh, this is a new era for German foreign policy, but it really did feel like kind of jarring and like wow they're just totally tearing up the classic rule book. And, you know, all those things we kind of praised in previous episodes of, like, well, maybe Germany's approach to to not having a super militaristic foreign policy, to prizing, um, you know, trade and negotiations, over armed conflict, you know, maybe that's a good ingredient to have in sort of Western mix, right? It's like, as opposed to kind of more hawkish, like, US or UK or France approach to a lot of things, France in specific situations, but... All of a sudden, Germany seems to be just abandoning their kind of traditional, more pacifist approach. Yeah,
0: no hesitancy whatsoever yeah. anymore. That's yeah. all out the window.
1: Yeah. But yeah, did you see any um, any yeah, ISO quotes from the can speech? Can I
0: quote yeah. my favorite part? Can I just read this in German because it's very yeah. funny with the alliteration and then I'll uh, translate it. But Schultz says, Wir brauchen Flugzeuge, die fliegen, Schiffe, die in See stechen, Und Soldatinnen und Soldaten, die für ihre Einsätze optimal ausgerüstet sind. Darum geht es. Which basically, he's saying in that first line, we need Flugzeuge, die fliegen. We need aircraft that fly, ships that set sail, and soldiers who are optimally equipped for their missions. That's what it's all about.
1: Damn.
0: And I just, I had to laugh at that phrasing.
1: Of Olaf, is, Olaf has <laughs> been reading his Clausewitz and his Tzu and he's just—he's a—he's a military mind now. <laughs> he's <course> like, of <laughs> course, it's about
0: a ship that sails. Yeah, right. Like what?
1: And this is like, I mean, and this is, it's sort of like he's playing on these stereotypes of like non-functioning German equipment exactly. to spend what is actually a remarkably large amount of money. This isn't like, oh, ha ha ha, we're going to like fix the transmission on our broken tank with a few extra, like a little bit of extra money. This is like Germany, like emerging potentially as like a top military power in the world with this level of spending. Like Germany has a big economy and if you spend 2% (laughs) of your GDP plus this one off thing, like it is lagging behind for now. But like this is like this could be a very dramatic and I would say pretty alarming shift.
0: Yeah. um, Backing up to what Schultz said right before this and really emphasizing the whole Germany needs security point. Schultz said, quote, one thing is clear. We will have to invest significantly more in the security of our country in order to protect our freedom and our democracy in this way. This is a major national effort. The goal is a powerful, state-of-the-art, advanced Bundeswehr that reliably protects us.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, there's a logic to having enough of a an armed force to, like, protect your country in a defensive war, which... In analysis I've seen, I think one was from double I, double S, this like uh, foreign policy, fairly like hawkish foreign policy think tank in London. And they tried to estimate this when Trump was thinking about withdrawing from NATO. And they looked at like all the existing spending. This is in like 2017, 2018 um, of European countries. And they said like, okay, well, like. It, it looks like, yeah, I mean, the European countries can't go, like, invade Afghanistan on their own. But if there was, like, Russia tried to invade actual, like, EU NATO country, they could easily fight a defensive war. And it, like, probably fight the Russians to a standstill. I mean, we're seeing how much Russia's struggling trying to invade Ukraine, right? So it's an interesting thing to be like, this means we need way more spending for us when the European countries spend way more than Ukraine does on their military and Russia can't barely can handle Ukraine so far. So like all the European countries, even without the U S you'd think like, okay, well they could put up a pretty good fight. And like I said, like Russia actually doesn't spend that much on the military. So the stop top spending powers, the U S $778 billion. So quite a bit China, number two at two fifty-two, So, the US spends 3 times more than the second most, India at 73. Russia comes in at number 4. Okay, so pretty big at just under 62 billion. And then I won't read the the rest of them, but I just want to have the comparison with the European countries. So the United Kingdom is in there at 59 billion. So just 2 billion less than Russia is just little old United Kingdom. Germany comes in at number 7 in the world. So this idea that they don't spend anything is really, just not very accurate. Spending 53 billion, yeah, number seven, and France right at about the exact same mark with you know the slightly smaller economy, so a bigger percentage of their GDP. But if you add just France and Germany, you're already spending 40 billion more than Russia spends. Add in the United Kingdom, that's a hundred billion more than Russia spends. And then all the other, you know, at least two twenty-seven, all the other 25 EU countries. Or that would be you know 27 26 without the u.s nato countries like just dwarfs russia so this idea that this is all needed to defend against just russia i don't think is true thanks for listening everybody and we are excited to hear from julia about let's, german foreign policy
0: let's roll the interview
1: in august of 2021 d position on the war is effectively borne out i mean it was a, a failure from the get-go and its opposition seems like it, it should have been proved right and then rewarded electorally however at that time you have you know a really disappointing electoral performance for d into the september election i was wondering if you could get into a little bit why it's this big puzzle for me right because if you look at Surveys of the German public often they have foreign policy views that align very closely with what Die Linke says. You know, the German, the German public um, often you know does not favor troop deployments. It's not it's not very hawkish. It's not very eager to go to war. And Die Linke supports that a lot, but it, it doesn't seem like it's quite gained a lot of purchase at the ballot box. And so I was wondering if you could talk about maybe why that is, or or some of the challenges that that the party faces in trying to communicate. It's, It's actually fairly popular foreign policy positions.
2: It's a really interesting question because um, this is uh, something we are wondering about too. Um, there are different polls that say, for example, that uh, the question of peace, many voters um, accept or are really in favor of. But if you ask about foreign policy of Die Linke, many voters say, well, this is something we do not really accept. So there's a differentiation between the peace idea the link is following and our foreign policy positions for example i would guess uh, that for example our position towards russia is one aspect um that so i would say that maybe um the in general the position in in a german society changed during the last year so of course everyone is against war And everyone is or most of Germany uh, population is against um, military intervention. But if you ask, for example, about NATO and security idea or the idea of having an army which is fully equipped to be part of security policy, then suddenly many more people um, accept this or are in favor of this. Um, Very interesting to see the Bundeswehr is regularly doing, um, I think every two years, a poll um, about the acceptance of Bundeswehr and their engagement also in military operations. Um, And interestingly, this acceptance is uh, rising uh, for, for a couple of years now. So the idea what mili- military engagement means changed in Germany and in the awareness of Germans so the idea military army is the same like war is not that deeply rooted anymore or it's like it, that the publicity campaigns uh, uh, governments in the recent years made or the way they put up the narratives uh, for example also in the Afghanistan war um, the government was always talking was about girls and freeing women and building walls, and so the job we are doing is a good job. And so to to pro- improve the accept- acceptance, and um, I think that changed during the years also in the public discourse. So. This is a problem we have as as a party, the link to address peace in foreign policy and to make clear that also parts of German foreign policy or engagement uh, in foreign countries is not part of a peaceful politics. So this is how to make it clear.
1: That was a preview of our premium episode. You can listen to the whole episode if you become a supporter of Spaßbremse on Patreon. There will be a link to our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you're not able to support us monetarily right now, we totally get it. There will be another full-length episode coming to your podcast feeds next week. As always, thank you so much for listening.
0: Tschüss!